Several years ago, I was sitting at a crowded coffee shop inside of a hotel, and a guy came up to me that I recognized, and he said, hey, Aaron, is it cool if I sit with you? And I said, yes, of course. And he, he sat down. We started to catch up a little bit. I distinctly remembered meeting this gentleman on two other occasions. I remembered what he did for a living. I remembered uh, where we were when I met him. I remembered what we were doing. I could have told him what he was wearing both of the other times that I met him. Uh, the first time I met him, he had a beard. The second time I met him, he didn't have a beard, and now he had a beard again. He was a youth pastor. Um, I even remember what car he used to drive. But do you know what I didn't remember? His name. Yep. <laughs> this has happened to you, right? Right? Okay. I can't be the only one. But that day... I was in a real predicament. The reason I was in a real predicament wasn't just because I didn't remember his name. That happens sometimes. Um, It's because I met him a second time and uh, managed to get out of that interaction by calling him Buddy, Champ, and Chief. (laughs) Right? Because if you meet someone the second time and you say, hey, I forgot your name, it's like no big deal. But if you've been faking it for a while... Um, is is real awkward. It's a problem. There are people I've interacted with dozens of times. They know my name. They think I know their name. I have no idea. Some of you. Anyway, (laughs) how many of you know that there is someone in this room right now that you would recognize them in the grocery store and call them Chief Champ or Buddy? (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. We're all on the same page here. Anyway, Back to my interaction with that guy that day. It goes on for a while. I'm racking my brain. I'm just about ready to tear my robes in frustration. Finally, I have to break down. I have to apologize all over myself and come clean. I'm sorry, man. I don't remember your name. Please remind me again. He's thoughtful. He's generous. He's understanding. He tells me his name. This guy's name was Aaron. Oof. Today we're telling two stories about two people in the Bible who don't have names, but then that's not quite right either. They almost certainly have names, but no one ever shares their names. No one ever passes along their names. No one remembers their names. That doesn't mean that their stories matter any less. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds and souls to the teaching from your word. Speak into this place and to each and every one of us. Encourage us, remind us, convict us, and change us. All of this in your name. Amen. The first story that I'm going to share this morning is about the boy at the feeding of the 5,000. You know the story. Throngs of people had gathered around Jesus, but they were getting hungry. Hungry people can get restless. Jesus wanted to feed the people, but there was not a lot of food to feed them. Just then, a boy from the crowd comes forward and offers all the food he has, five small barley loaves and two fish. You know the rest of the story, but let's read it anyway. And as I read this to you, I want you to focus in on the part about the boy who hands over his bread and his fish. This is from Matthew 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke the loaves. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, what did you notice there about the boy? He wasn't there. All right, you're not, don't worry, you didn't space out. He wasn't there. He's not even mentioned in the Matthew package. That's what makes him the perfect candidate for this series, Heroes You Haven't Heard Of, because Matthew doesn't even include him in his telling of the story. Neither does Mark. Neither does Luke. I could have so much fun reading all of those passages to you this morning before we got to the one that finally did. The feeding of the 5,000 is a story that is told in all four of the gospel accounts, and only John decides it's worth mentioning the boy. John gives him exactly one sentence, and then John forgets about him too. Some scholars have suggested that the boy's absence in 75% of the gospel accounts might mean that he was never there, that John added a detail or an embellishment to the story, but I don't think so, and most biblical scholars don't think so either. It's just so much more likely that the boy was really there, that he really handed over his food, and that the, that the other gospel writers didn't mention him because he was culturally just a child. Children weren't that important. It's the same reason that women are frequently left unnamed in the Bible. Cultural difficulty that we catch at the end of this story when all four authors tell us that Jesus fed five thousand people, and then in parentheses, also some women too. And by the way, despite what some people might have you think, this kind of warped gender value society is not something that needs to be excused or expected. It's not something we should aspire to return to. The Bible is filled with tellings of stories that have icky cultural practices. This is one of them. Do you feel icky that women and children and in some cases, ethnic minorities were treated as second-class people at best and something less than people at worst, and that's good. You should feel icky about it. Jesus came to bring equity and justice to the world. He came to tear down broken cultural, political, economic, societal systems. I think this is one of them, but, but that's a soapbox for another day. For now, on to the boy with the loaves and the fish. The one sentence in all four gospel accounts, John's the only one that mentions it, he says this, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And after that one sentence, the story continues the same way. Jesus does the miracle that feeds the 5,000, and we're left with lessons that teach us about faith. We're left with lessons that teach us about God's provision for our lives we learn from this story to trust that God can do anything, that God will take care of us, that no problem is too big for God. But there's at least one lesson that we learn only from John's telling of the story, a lesson that we need to learn from a boy with no name who's largely forgotten and erased. And I wonder, do you know what the lesson is? Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. 
Calling his disciples, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. My guess is you know this story, too, about a woman, a poor widow, and we never learn her name. I'm going to read a little part of that story again, and if I can pretend for just a second to be your English teacher... I'd like to ask you to take special care to notice the verbs in a pair of sentences. Many rich people threw in large amounts. A poor widow put in two copper coins. Many rich people threw in large amounts. A poor widow put in two copper coins. So imagine for a second, maybe it's Christmas time, I don't know, and the, the red kettles that the Salvation Army puts out with the people ringing the bells. I want you to imagine there's a red kettle in a well-trafficked public area, and that's where people are giving money to the temple. Remember those verbs. How do rich people get their money into the kettle? They throw it. They throw it because when you throw it, you can flaunt it. People can see how much money you're giving and surmise how much money you're worth. But how much does the widow, or how does she put her offering in? She puts it into the kettle. She places it into the kettle. Now, we don't actually know her motivations. She might be placing her offering gently into the kettle because she's humble, because she knows that humility has to accompany generosity. But it's just as likely, right, that maybe she's embarrassed. She doesn't want everyone to know how little she's giving. Maybe she wants to be incognito, fly under the radar, but Jesus notices her, doesn't he? Of course he does. Amidst a parade of wealth-flaunting, self-righteous, bloated people, here's one who's different. And even though no one else knows how much she put in and how much she had in the first place, Jesus does because he's, because he's Jesus. And Jesus was impressed, and he says this, he's impressed because she had given everything, all she had to live on. There's a lesson here. It's the same lesson that we can learn from the boy who gave everything over to Jesus. See, five small loaves and two fish is not the merchandise of a food seller, not the wares of a trader, not the haul of a fisherman, not the bounty of a baker. An amount of food that insignificant is not more than dinner for his family. In fact, that's exactly what it is, and he gives it away. And if Jesus doesn't do the miracle, if Jesus doesn't do the miracle, then he's going to go home and no one is going to eat. But Jesus did the miracle. The boy gave Jesus what he had, and God provided. He was faithful to Jesus. Jesus was faithful to him. Now, we don't know what happened next with the widow who gave her coins, but I believe that probably what happened next is that God provided. She was faithful to God, and God will be faithful to her. See, the lesson that we can take from that unnamed boy and that unnamed woman is this. Sometimes God calls us to use our immense gifts and talents. Sometimes God calls us to speak his word to cities and nations and peoples. Sometimes God calls us to great big ministries in great big ways. But sometimes God calls us to just give 
whatever we have. A few minutes, a few dollars, a few words, a few friends. Sometimes we give from our fullness. Sometimes we give from our emptiness. Sometimes we just give whatever we have. And when we give God whatever we have, we are being faithful to God, and God will be faithful to us. So I've got a challenge for you today. It's an easy challenge. I think you are going to excel at it. So what I want you to do today is I want you to do something, serve someone, give something back to God with whatever you have, even if it's small. So here's the deal. This message is going to be short today. That means when this service ends, you are going to have about 10 extra minutes that you weren't planning on having. Use it for God. And you can't say that you don't have time because when you walked in here today, you thought you were going to be here until 10. I tricked you. <laughs> now, to fund this adventure, I want you to use the change that you have sitting maybe in your cup holder in your car. Maybe you have a neat car with little tubes where you can put your change. It's not going to be a lot of money. Maybe you'll need to supplement it with a dollar from your wallet. Your challenge today is to give God whatever you have. It might not be much. It might not be a lot. The lesson that we learned today from our unnamed heroes is that it doesn't matter. If we're faithful to God with a little, He will do incredible things. Your challenge today is to give God whatever you have, maybe a small amount of money, maybe in a few extra minutes. Find some way to serve God with it, and I want to hear those stories. Let's pray. God, bless us today to serve you in unexpected ways, in small ways, in ways that seem insignificant to us. Because God, when we bring our insignificance, that's when we rely most upon your power, your presence, your grace, your peace, your love. God, we bring a little bit to you so that you can do God-sized things with whatever we have. I pray these things in your name. Amen.